One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Pitts. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about the kayak killer. Hmm. Mystery. Mm-hmm. And I'll be talking about the Oklahoma Girl Scout camp murders. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's rough. It's a rough one. I hope your murder's really lighthearted. <laughs> um, Kristen. Yes. I'd like to welcome you to a new segment of the show that I like to call Kristen Fucked Up. Stuff Brandy Fucked Up on the last episode. Oh, okay. I'm a lot more excited about this than I thought I'd be. Um, first of all, yes. I said during um, when I was talking about Nick's mother's victim impact statement during the Jesse James Hollywood right um trial i said nick's mom said that her life was devoid of joy with nick in it definitely oh. meant without nick in oh. it oh oops <laughs> that's my bad that's she wasn't uh, the most fortunate mistake <laughs> and then also i never fucking told you how much money ben markowitz <gasps> oh jesse didn't. james hollywood oh oh boy oh it was like the last line of my notes. I was like, "So, and I specifically what was asked, Nick's life worth?" And then I, I never fucking said it. May I guess? Yeah. Okay. Um. Shit. Jog my memory. So, it was he did all this to like erase a debt, right? So no. So he was trying to Jesse James Holly was trying to get back at Ben. Oh right, right, right. Because Sorry. he owed the debt. Um. Ryan Hoyt murdered Nick to erase his debt which was between two and six thousand that is correct i'm gonna say this all happened over drum roll please six hundred dollars twelve hundred dollars Ooh, now yeah. i get it fucking terrible <laughs> Chris. i'm teasing i don't get it <laughs> that's awful yeah, it's fucking terrible. I'm sorry that I didn't address that on our last episode. Or maybe I really was trying to stretch the anticipation. That was like the ultimate cliffhanger. And you did a great <laughs> job of it by making us wait a week. A whole week. <laughs> yes. Um, this has been Shit Brandy Fucked Up on the last episode. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Are you ready for this? I am. Do you know anything about the woman dubbed the kayak killer. I don't. Okay. Here we go. I would like to point out that yes. you told me your case involved a kayak this week, and then you sent me an emoji of a canoe. Listen, there are only so many options. <laughs> like, we do this thing to make sure we're not doing the same case, where we text each other yeah. and are like, mine takes place at a summer camp. Mine involves a kayak, whatever. Um Without giving too many details away. Yeah. And Kristen said it. She said it involved a kayak and then she sent me a canoe. And then you were a smart ass, so I sent you a yacht. The emoji. Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> so there. <laughs> okay. Angelica. Angelica? Sorry. I only have a J E L L Y in the middle of it. She's from. Okay, so it looks. You know what? I was so worried about mispronouncing her name, and I got it wrong right off the start. Okay, it looks to my eyes like Angelica, but it's Angelica. And okay, I have it's not a note. Angelica. <laughs> I have a note. I have a 
myself on how to pronounce it. And what I'm realizing now is I have it written down wrong in my guide to myself. Okay, let me let me make a correction. Boy, here we go. This is why you tune in. Angelica. Yeah, that's way better. Yeah. Angelica Grasswald woke up on a Sunday in April of 2015 feeling pretty hungover. Actually, a lot hungover. And so did her fiancé, Vincent Viafor. Viafor? Viafor. I love them all. Okay, great. They'd been partying together the night before, and they woke up feeling kind of crappy and headachy, but they had plans and they wanted to stick to them. They wanted to go kayaking on the Hudson River and paddle over to Palapel Island so that they could see the Bannerman Castle ruins. Mm. Have you heard of this? No. Google it right now. It's the coolest looking thing ever. It's this like old abandoned castle thing. How do you spell it? Bannerman, just like it sounds. B-A-N-N-E-R-M-A-N. Castle. Ooh. Isn't that the coolest? That's super cool. It made me realize that Norm and I have the lamest dates ever. I mean, these two kayaked to those ruins. That's I'm super like, cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't have any ruins to kayak to here, except maybe like a trap house. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's a place not far from my house that got blown out when the meth went bad. Yeah, exactly. Norm and I could take a little hike over a little there. stroll to the trap house. I could throw out like a gingham tablecloth so we sit down with some cheese and a baguette. So nice. So Angelica loved the Bannerman ruins. She thought the castle was so unexpected in New York. Yeah. And it kind of reminded her of where she grew up in Latvia. She was so excited to go on this adventure and so was Vincent. By the way, some sources call him Vincent, Vinny. All kinds of stuff. So I just mix it up in here. I love it. Okay, great. Great. That's just who they were. They loved being outdoorsy together, and they were both friendly and fun. And Angelica says that's why they worked so well together. They'd both been married two times before, but when they met each other in 2013, they knew they were ready to try again. They got engaged the following year. Vince proposed at the Hibachi Grill. Ooh. Like, <laughs> sorry. Threw her, engaged her ring up in the air and she caught it in her mouth. It's worse than that. <laughs> oh my God. So it was a spontaneous proposal and he used a ring of onion no. from the grill. Yes, which, do you know how awkward that is? I can't say onion ring because that gives yeah, the wrong no. impression. We're talking yeah. about one of those. Yeah, like from yeah. the little onion volcano. Yes, <laughs> yes. I gotta say. No, not it's for not me. getting it done for me. No. <laughs> but back to their kayak okay. trip. That day, Vince strapped the kayaks to his Jeep and they took off. It wasn't their first time kayaking, but it would be their first time kayaking at that particular spot. But there was an issue. Ooh. Or rather, multiple issues. Whoa. Okay. These particular kayaks weren't really suited for the waters they were about to go on. They were more the type that do better in a lake. And it was cold that day. The water was like 48 degrees, which is just too fucking cold. Way too cold. I'm feeling better about the fact that Norman and I don't go out for dates. So, like, I don't know, five, six years ago, Zach and I hiked to the Grand Canyon, and it was like... 
fucking 120 degrees. Yes. But at the bottom is the Colorado River. And it's always like 50 degrees because it's bottom fed from, you know, fucking up north somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) You guys couldn't see how how high her arm went. (laughs) And so I was so hot that I just sat down in the river. Uh Uh-huh. And Zach made me get out after like five minutes. And I was like, no, (laughs) no. And he's like, it's too cold. You cannot sit in here. And I was Uh like, no. (laughs) He like physically made me get out of the water. Wait, is this how you got canyon toe or Um, whatever you call it? (laughs) Kristen, that is a story for another day. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's fine. No, um, I was actually on the hike up. Well, I assume it's because you got wet, right? It's because I got my shoes wet, but it was not in the Colorado River. It was from a hose at a watering point. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Are you not wanting to? No, it's fine. No, I doused my, I was, it was even hotter on the hike up. Okay. Um, It was like hotter than 120. It was 127 degrees in the shade. God, no. But it's a dry heat, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. That sounds wonderful. And so there's like this place where everybody stops and eats their lunch on the hike up. Right. Um, And so we stopped and there was like this hose that everybody was like wetting themselves down with. And so I did it only I didn't like lean far enough over when I did it. So I got my shoes totally soaked and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I had done it. And then I hiked miles in soaking wet shoes and gave myself what is called canyon toe, which sounds disgusting and in fact is. (laughs) (laughs) You actually form blisters under your toenails. Who even knew that was fucking possible? I did not know that. It's disgusting. Yeah. That sounds terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> you guys have plans to go back or not so much? I think I would totally do it again and not but not in July because yeah. that was the big mistake, doing it when it was that hot. Oh, God. That sounds absolutely horrible. Yeah. It's beautiful, though. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I don't know that I would appreciate the beauty in that heat. Um, so, okay. Complete opposite situation. Yes. They have these kind of crappy kayaks. Yeah. Not crappy, but not good for the Hudson River. Right. And it's 48 degrees in the water. Plus, there was a storm headed their way. There's a storm a-brewing? You know what? That's what I had in my notes, but I changed it because I thought it sounded too dorky. (laughs) Storms (laughs) a-brewing. To make matters worse, when it came time to get into the water, Vince didn't bother with a life jacket or a wetsuit. Yeah. Did Angelica put on a... (laughs) Did she put on a wetsuit and a life jacket? I don't know that she had on a wetsuit. I know that she had on, on a life okay. jacket, though. Okay. At least I assume, because they keep talking about how he didn't, he didn't have one. Yeah. So I assume she had yeah. one. So they kayaked over to the island, drank a few beers, took some pics, and then when the sun started to go down, they were like, ooh, crap, we've got to They're night kayaking back? Here's here's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming when they took off, it wasn't like night, but it was like they'd kind of had too much fun maybe, and all of a sudden it starts, the sun starts to go down, and they're like, oh shit, we should have taken off like an hour ago. Oh my gosh, Granted, that's I have, alarming. I have no idea how long it takes yeah. to do this, but yeah, okay, so bad stuff. They get into the kayaks, go out into the water, and... Angelica says that the water was officially choppy. It Mm. was bad. It lapped up into Vince's kayak and eventually overtook him. His kayak flipped over into the water and he was just plunged into this icy cold water. Oh, God. 
Vince shouted, call 911. So Angelica did. And here's part of the call. I'm debating on what to say right now. This is obviously not part of the call. (laughs) She has an accent. No. No, that's not at all. I thought that's what you were going to (laughs) say. I mean, she does have an accent. But, um, okay. I'm just going to give you my initial reaction when I heard this call on 2020. By the way, 2020 did a great episode about this, and the New York Times covered the shit out of this. Okay. So 2020 played some of the 911 call. My immediate reaction was that it sounded fake. Okay. Because she sounds kind of almost like whiny. Oh. So here's what she says. Angelica. But I don't see him. Oh, my God. Dispatcher. Can you see the kayak still? Angelica. No, the kayak went underwater. Oh, my God. Dispatcher. We've got a boat in the water coming down to you, okay? Angelica. The water is very cold. I'm afraid he's... Oh, my God. Oh, no. That does sound bad. It Now, who knows how I would react in exactly. this situation. So I'm trying, I have no but idea. Like, but I'm just throwing this out there yeah. because there's this debate. Over Did how authentic she, this 911 call yeah, is. There's yeah, there's this debate over is there foul play in this? Is there Come. not? I'm just telling you my immediate reaction from hearing that 911 call was sounds a little off. Yeah, I agree. Okay. From my impression from your of her interpretation of it. <laughs> so it goes on for a little bit, and she tells the dispatcher that they need someone to come out quickly, and she thinks that Vince has drowned. Then the call ends. Angelica says at that point her kayak had capsized. Pretty soon a rescue boat arrives, and they pull Angelica out of the water. They look everywhere for Vince. Couldn't find him. Oh. It was really sad, but pretty obvious mm-hmm. he had drowned. Yeah. To hear Angelica tell it, this was a horrible accident. But that wasn't how a lot of other people saw it. Really? Okay. So here, okay, here we go. This is, this is a weird case. I feel so many different ways. Okay. Um, no, you know what? I don't feel so many different ways. I just have a strong opinion and I kind of want to just throw it out there and let people decide for themselves. Okay. But I'm very bossy and I like to tell people what to think. So I'm just fighting a lot of things right now. Okay. Okay. Um, so people observed Angelica in the days after Vince died and they were like, she's acting kind of weird. Vince's mom noticed right away that she wasn't crying much. And she thought that was pretty strange. Mm -hmm. Then, within a few days of Vince's death, Angelica posted a video to Facebook of herself doing a cartwheel. What? (laughs) Okay, give me your reaction. Like, are... No! Okay. She's doing cartwheels? A cartwheel, Brandy. But it was very jubilant, I gotta say. Yeah, fuck off. That is, I don't care who you are. You don't out. What excuse does she have for doing cartwheels? Are you not allowed? Vince would have wanted me to do cartwheels. <laughs> is that his name, Vince? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I. How many days after? Three days after. It he was died? not many. It was like a few days. It yeah. was not many no. days. Mm-mm. You're not allowed to do one. Okay. No. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to do one cartwheel. I got one more for you. Okay. You ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Then, within a few days of Vince's death, uh, there was a memorial service for him at a bar, and Angelica sang karaoke. At a memorial service? It was at a bar. Hmm, She sang Hotel California. Uh (laughs) Okay, so, so people... No, okay, let me... Okay, you react. You react first. Um... Were other people singing karaoke? That's what I want to know, but none yeah. of these articles say, which I think that me, changes my opinion that's a lot. Huge. It's, it is. It's a huge factor. Okay, I'm just going to say my thing. Okay, I think this was probably an accident. I think maybe she just acted a little weird. Yeah, here, cartwheels, Kristen. Yeah, it's super weird. I would never do that. I would never do that. <laughs> but is she? Was she a Latvian gymnast? <laughs> <laughs> I just think, like, she said Maybe later... that's just how she, like, centers herself. She said later that she just... She's not the type that likes to cry in public. She's not... That's just mm-hmm. not her personality. But I agree with you. The karaoke thing... Yeah, I need to know Is everyone other, else doing like, karaoke? Well, yeah, was her, his fucking brother standing there doing karaoke, too? And like everyone includes the song. And I'm thinking... Is, what? I don't know is, what that song... Yeah. Maybe it's his favorite song. Welcome to the hotel camp. Yeah, I know the song. I didn't mean I didn't know the song. <laughs> it's a lovely place, Kristen. <laughs> I just, I feel like people made a lot of those yeah. things. And I, you know, that's weird, but. Yeah, maybe it just fit her vocal range. <laughs> Thank you, Brandy. No problem. I'm, I'm still, like, I'd like it cleared up if she was, had formerly, you know, been on the Latvian gymnastics team or something. Okay, at what point do you age out of that sort of thing? 16? Hmm. She came to the United States to be an, a nanny at 20, so maybe she, she was a gymnast. Been. Then she's like, I'm done with that, now I'm going to yeah. be a nanny in Connecticut. Boom. Yeah. Now I'm in the U.S. Yep. I don't know. Are you ready for more not-so-great stuff? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so... Ten days after Vince disappeared, she went to the Bannerman's ruins with a wreath of artificial flowers attached to a life preserver. She wanted to leave them there as a tribute to Vince. Detectives were with her because I think at this point everyone was kind of like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. And apparently while she was there, she told them something totally nuts. What? She said she'd wanted... Vince to drown. What? She says that that evening she'd pulled the plug on his kayak so that it would fill up with water. And she even took off like this little ring thing that keeps the pad, the two different sections of the paddle together. What? That's what they say she said, but there was no cameras, nothing recording it. So. They're like, okay, let's, uh, we'd love to hear more of this cool story, but we want to take you someplace more comfortable, like Like an an interrogation interrogation room. room. Yes. (laughs) By the way, of course, um, Angelica later said that that whole conversation never took place, but at any rate, they get her to the interrogation. How many people say it did? You know, I want to say, for some reason, and this could be totally wrong, I want to say there were three detectives with her. At Bannerman Island, mm-hmm. at the Bannerman Castle ruins. I don't know that they were all there when this was happening. I think it's bullshit. I just can't understand under what circumstances she would fucking say that. I also I don't, don't understand why you wouldn't be recording stuff. Yeah, I don't think that makes any sense. 
Yeah. I'm not buying this one. Okay. So... I'm still not convinced that it was. Cartwheels are really weighing pretty yeah, heavy I, for yeah, me. Yeah, you're but not a fan of the cartwheels. I'm not at all, but I don't believe that she said that. Okay. Same. By the way, oh. Pretty convenient, on. the things that you can say someone said when you have no evidence of it. Yes. Yeah. And again, this is like, I think we're in like 2015. Yeah. Why wouldn't, you've yeah. got your, supposedly your prime murder suspect. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you be recording yeah. everything? Yeah. So they get Angelica into that interrogation room. And if that first story was true, then it changes when Mm -hmm. she's in the interrogation room. Here we go. Detective, you watched him drown. I know it's difficult. I know, Angelica, no. I didn't just watch him drown. I tried to do something about it. Detective, now... Did you really want to save him? Angelica. Yeah, somehow, if he did not say call 911, I would have fucking paddled the shit out of myself and got to him somehow. By the way, fucking and shit, they bleeped it on 2020. I'm just guessing what curse words were in there. Oh, yeah. Then things got a little darker, and she admitted that she was sort of relieved by Vince's death. What? Yeah. That's odd. Yeah, I'm not saying this isn't weird. (laughs) Detective, when you watched him in the water, was a part of you saying, my worries are going away now? Angelica, yeah. Detective, and I'm free? Angelica, yeah. That's kind of a coercive technique there. Detective, and you were almost... Angelica euphoric detective euphoric that he was gonna be gone angelica i just i was detective you felt that way angelica yes i still do what okay what worries where's the backstory what do they got going on are they in crazy debt does he dying of cancer i need more well it's one of my cases so what do you what do you think it was (laughs) i don't know it was weird sex oh stuff. Oh my god, they were into weird sex stuff. So, what she? Oh god. Oh my god. Oh. Norm, we were just shouting about weird weird sex, sex stuff, stuff and, and then you come through the door on cue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of weird sex stuff? Hang on. No, Kristen, tell me the weird sex stuff. Oh my now. god, I just left it hanging there in the script. I didn't even get into it until later. Okay, I'm going to tell you now. <laughs> what? So. The weird sex stuff was that he was, like, super into porn, super into threesomes, and he kept, like, basically, he wanted all this stuff. She was like, I'm not into it. I'm not into it. Yeah. And apparently he started threatening her, like, I'm going to call off the engagement unless you're willing to do this stuff. That's what wow. she tells the detective. So, you know, she kind of says, I was sick of all that. I didn't like it. And yeah. now I don't have I to was deal kind with of relieved. Anymore. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Whew. Okay. So while she's being interrogated, police officers searched her and Vince's apartment. And they found that one of his guns was missing. So now we're three hours into the interrogation. Another detective walks in. The bad cop, if Ooh. you will. And he's like, 
We know you fucking did it, yeah. Angelica. Then he slams a table. Yeah. No, he's like, when did you take the ring off the paddle? And she's like, I didn't do that. And he goes, well, you killed him. And she says, no, I didn't kill him. Now we're four hours in. Mm-hmm. They bring her coffee and pizza and a cigarette. And they leave her wow, alone in the there. the trifecta. For, oh, everything you could ever want. <laughs> They leave her alone in there for a while. By the way, this interrogation lasts 11 hours. At one point, she starts doing hopscotch in the interrogation room. What? At another point, she's doing yoga poses. Oh, my God. All the poses. That lens, okay, as weird as that is, Uh makes the cartwheel from earlier less weird. That's a really good point. Yeah. If this is what she's doing to, like, calm herself in an interrogation room. Yeah. It makes the cartwheel less weird. Okay, I did not even put that together. What I thought, because, you know, early in the 2020 episode, yeah. they're showing, like, footage of her downward dogging it in an interrogation yeah. room. And I was like, she fucking did it. She is cold as ice. But then when I hear, okay, you're in there for 11 hours yeah. with pizza and a cigarette. Yeah. You know, who knows what they'd catch me doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody has any idea how they'd react in those circumstances. I can tell you for sure I wouldn't do a cartwheel because I'm incapable. (laughs) (laughs) Hurt myself many times trying that. (laughs) They ask her some more questions about her relationship with Vince. And that's when she gets into the thing about him being really pushy and demanding in bed and just wanting stuff from her that she didn't want to do. Meanwhile, the police discover that she's a beneficiary on Vince's life insurance policy. Mm. Um, And he had a pretty big one. So I believe she had like a 45% stake in it, and that entitled her to just under $500,000. Wow. I know. I know. Chunk of change. No kidding. And he'd taken that policy out six months earlier. Was there like a double indemnity clause on it where she gets double if he dies in an accident? I don't believe so. Okay. I'm going to be honest. I've never heard that term before. It's a real thing. (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) Not questioning you. Just feeling bad about myself. (laughs) So late in the evening, she told detectives that when Vince was drowning, she felt like she was torn in two. Angels and demons. She said she has this bad side and it was telling her to just let it happen. But she also had the good side telling her to save him. But she let the bad side win out because of how Vince had been treating her lately. Now they're six hours in, and one of the detectives said, You killed Vinny, right? Angelica, you're the one telling me. Detective, no, I'm asking you the question. Angelica, you want me to admit it. Detective, I want you to, I want you to tell me the truth. Angelica, I am telling you the truth. Detective, And what is the answer to that question? Angelica, I didn't want him to... Detective, Angelica, what is the true answer to that question? Angelica, all right, I'll give you the fucking statement. Detective, what is it? Angelica, I wanted him dead, and now he's gone, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that. That's, I, well, I mean... That's probably the true answer. I mean, that still doesn't mean she murdered him. No, that was a confession. That's not a confession. Brandy. Brandy, the police say it's a confession. I don't think that's a confession at all. Do you think that's a confession? 
No. No. No, I don't. It's not at all. I think it's bad. I think it's bad too, but I think it says more about the guilt that she carries. Yeah. That the fact that he died and she feels okay about it. Which, I'm sorry, but you can feel okay about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, you can have complicated feelings yeah. if you're not in a good relationship yeah. with somebody and something terrible yeah, happens. Yeah, if, if your fiance is forcing you into threesomes that you don't want and then he dies and you're like... Oh my god, how terrible I lost my fiance. But also I guess I don't have to have those gross threesomes anymore. Yay! Like I think that's realistic. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, great, we got a confession. No! <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't think so either. Now we're 30 days out from the evening Vinny went missing. It's May of 2015. The weather changed on the Hudson. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, this happened, like, right by West Point when they were having their graduation ceremony. Oh, God, his body so, Yeah, bummer. Yeah. Oh. So they found him about a mile from the island. His body didn't hold a whole lot of clues, but it didn't have a gunshot. So there goes that theory that yeah. she took one of his guns mm-hmm. and shot him. At this point, a grand jury indicted Angelica with murder in the second degree and manslaughter in the second degree. Did they find the kayak? Um, I don't know. But don't kayaks float? I mean, surely. Not if it's got a hole shot in it. Shot in it? Yeah, the theory could be that she shot him. Obviously, that didn't happen. But if she took the gun, she could have shot the kayak and sunk it. Good grief. With the choppy waters and all that stuff? (laughs) I'm just saying. Okay, okay. (laughs) They none of the articles or anything I read mentioned okay that okay the prosecutor yet we don't know where the kayak is I we might we might Kristen doesn't know where the uh, kayak th- that's is. accurate <laughs> the prosecutor told the press that Angelica killed Vinny by removing that ring from his paddle. And the plug from his boat. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw somewhere else that at one point officers were saying that she'd like taken the paddle away from him as he was drowning. What? Yeah. Yeah. Later, Angelica was asked about what she'd said in that interrogation room. And she was like, look, I was worn down. They were asking me the same questions over and over and over again. And eventually I just told them what they wanted to hear. I was at my breaking point. She said, when I walked into that interrogation room, I had no idea that I was like this big suspect. They told me it would be like a therapy session. Wow. Which I guess she just believed. Yeah. I mean, that's naive. That's, yeah, super naive. And as for her weird behavior after he died, she said she was just kind of putting on a happy front. She was stunned by the charges and traumatized by all the media coverage. People were calling her the kayak killer. Mm -hmm. She said, I was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Bottom line. I was in danger, too, just as much as he was. I just happened to survive. And now I'm guilty. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Angelica pled not guilty to second degree murder and not guilty to second degree manslaughter. But Vincent's family was convinced that she did it. Really? Mm-hmm. Do they already have like a, do they not like her to begin with? I don't know. Hmm. But like they, to this day, 
believe she did it. Wow. His sister, Laura Rice, said that Vincent and Angelica fought a lot and that Angelica had a temper. Laura didn't know about all the sex stuff, obviously. (laughs) But she said that she felt like Vince was close to ending the relationship. She said he was frustrated with Angelica because she wasn't working and he had to support both of them Mm -hmm. financially. I could see that. Mm -hmm. So the prosecution starts gearing up for trial and they are like, all right, let's run some tests. So they went out, got the make and model of that kayak Unless they used the actual kayak, which they found, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They took out the plug, and they went into the water, just waiting to capsize. Mm Mm-hmm. And it didn't. Nope. Ooh. So, they could not get that thing. And then they start making waves, and it still doesn't (laughs) capsize. And then they, you know, make the hole even bigger. (laughs) (laughs) No, so it turns out, this plug is really small. It's like half an inch. Yeah. And it's on top of the boat. And so like on 2020, they did their own test too. So they had a guy with like a bucket of water and they're like, Mm -hmm. he's like, okay, check this out. So he fills up the bucket with water and like tries to pour it into that hole. And even when you're trying to get water into that hole, not that much is going to get in. Yeah. But if you have waves coming at you, a ton of water is going to get in. The seat? Yeah, where you're sitting. Yeah. So... The whole thing was like, that's how you capsize. Yeah. I mean, having that little plug out probably isn't great, but it's not going to be. That by itself is not no. going to be enough. Yeah. No. Yeah. If anything. Mm-hmm. So the prosecution is like, well, well shit. <laughs> <laughs> then they start looking at other factors. Like the fact that Vincent wasn't wearing a life vest or a wetsuit. Yeah. And it was fucking cold. And it was very choppy, as we heard earlier. And he'd been drinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like all this stuff is like. Yeah, they're fucking rowing out of there at night. <laughs> Sorry. That was my kayak. <laughs> <The> demonstration. <laughs> it looked more like a flag team routine that you were doing. I feel like you wouldn't get anywhere quickly in a kayak with those moves. So then they start looking at this confession again and they're like, mm, she didn't really Yeah, it's not directly. A yeah, she didn't really directly confess. She did a lot yeah. of stuff that looks bad, yeah. said stuff that sounds bad, but there's no like, and I killed him. Yeah. Meanwhile, Angelica gets a lawyer named Rich Portale. Enjoy this guy immensely. Hmm. He started digging through his hair like slick back. He's he's very good looking. Hmm. Look him up. Richard Portale. P-O-R-T-L-E. My my computer has timed out here. Oh. He's much younger than I was anticipating. Oh yes. He's very good looking. Yes, he's very good looking. Yeah. He's probably a dick, but I really like him. He seemed to do a good job here and you know. I enjoy his haircut as well. He's got a nice fade. He sure does. (laughs) (laughs) And you're a woman who appreciates a good fade. I am. He starts digging through the evidence, and he's like, fixing his hair, looking at the evidence, (laughs) fixing his suit, just being beautiful. And tanning. He's definitely tanning. Oh, he's tanning so hard. 100% tanning. He leafed through the evidence while he was in a tanning bed. (laughs) So while he's doing that, he makes a pretty big discovery. The plug that Angelica supposedly unscrewed, Richard could prove that Vinny knew it was unscrewed. What? Get 
this. So Vinny was the one who loaded the kayaks on top of the Jeep. Mm -hmm. And he threaded one of the straps through that open drain pipe. (gasps) And we know that because there's like, I think it's toll booth footage where you see them driving and you see that there's a strap running through that pipe. So he knew that the thing was unplugged. Oh, my gosh. Also, the defense uncovered other photos of Vince kayaking with the plug open. Mm -hmm. He'd done it many times before. And also not wearing a life jacket. That's Mm -hmm. just kind of how the guy rolled. Richard also looked over that interrogation tape, and he felt like he saw some major red flags. Like coercion. Co- co- Yeah, you said it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The thing is, some of the things he he brings up, I think, are so major, and it made me mad at 2020 for not including this shit, because, Uh like... Really, you include the hopscotching? No, because I use their show a lot, and I appreciate them greatly, but I feel like you've got to include this other stuff. So Richard was like, there was a clear language barrier and a cultural barrier Mm -hmm. here. She did not understand her rights in the United States. So get this. Several hours after she'd been read her Miranda rights, Angelica asked the detective who Miranda was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 So she clearly didn't understand. Didn't have a clue. Yeah. And, of course, you know, the detective says, no, she understood them. I asked if she understood, and she said yes. He also said that she hadn't been read her Miranda rights until after police had spoken with her for more than three hours at the police barracks. Which is, like, if that's true, that is, like, unreal to me. Yeah. How could... That's nuts. How is that possible? Yeah. Do these cops not watch Law and Order? They yeah. start that shit with the you Miranda do rights. It, yeah, right off the bat. <laughs> One thing I will say, so he talked about the language barrier. Just from watching interviews with her and stuff, I don't I don't necessarily buy a language barrier. Her English is fantastic. She'd been in the uh-huh. United States for 15 years. I mean, it it was really really good. Yeah. Um I do buy a cultural barrier. Yeah. Though. Yeah. And I almost wonder if, you know, your culture impacts how you grieve for somebody and I maybe think it probably yeah, does. I think it does too yeah and I don't know maybe in Europe they don't cry openly in public or you know yeah who knows? I, don't, I don't know I don't know what they do in Latvia I don't know either never been no I hear they have a great gymnastics <laughs> <laughs> at this point the defense is feeling pretty good and super cute <laughs> and the prosecution is feeling pretty bad and not as, not cute. as cute. I gotta yeah. say, sorry. <laughs> Angelica was facing life in prison. And that's what the general public expected her to get. I mean, the thing that is crazy about this to me is I remember this case and I remember thinking, guilty. Yeah. And now it's like, like it was crazy to be like reading this and be like, I'm going to write a script about that woman who killed her fiancé and then go, oh, she, oh, no. I, no, oh, she didn't kill her fiancé. Terrible accident. <laughs> the DA, David Hoofler, wasn't so sure about Hoofler? his... Hoofler? Hoofler. You want to look him up? I bet he's not as cute as Richard Portale or whatever his name is. I mean, who is? We aren't. H-O-O-V-L-E-R. What's his first name? 
David? Do you need a spelling on that? I forgot it. I didn't know how to not spell it. God. (laughs) Didn't know how to not spell it. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) He's not bad. He didn't stand a chance against old Portale over there. He's not a bad looking guy. He's like, so David Hoofler is a normal. Yeah, he's He's a a dad. He's a normal looking guy. Dude wears new balances on the weekend. For maybe all the time. (laughs) But Portale over here is like, he's in a pageant, you know. He's got his his sash on already. And Hoofler's just, you know, polishing the old kids. (laughs) So David didn't feel good about his case. So they worked out a deal. He said... Plead guilty to criminally negligent homicide and admit that when you took out that kayak plug and when you ignored how bad the weather was and how choppy that weather was, you unintentionally killed your fiance. The DA, Mm. what you got? No. I think she might do it, but I don't. uh, She's not a fucking wave expert or a kayak expert. Mm Mm-hmm. How she didn't knowingly put him in a dangerous situation. Yeah, I don't believe she did either. Well, and then, but I he I also could, made the decision to get in that kayak in that water. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I agree that she was just as much at risk yeah. out there as he was. Yeah. Um. And also, we haven't talked about this yet, but if you did want to kill your fiance. That is the fucking dumbest way to do it. Uh, I'm going to yeah. take this tiny plug out yeah. of the top of your kayak. Oh, I'm going to get out in the dangerous water with you. Right, exactly. Hope you don't take me yeah. under. I mean, she had to be rescued from the water, too. Right, right. And by the way, he was a gun owner. So, like, gee, I'm not going to shoot you with a gun. That's too easy. I'm going to be like a cartoon villain and like... <laughs> I'm going to play the long game. I I just don't buy it. Yeah. The DA told the press that the more he looked at the evidence, the more he saw that it could go both ways. Mm -hmm. He wasn't confident that a jury would find her guilty, but he still wanted to hold Angelica responsible for her actions. Kayaking? (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Her lawyer later said... He knew the plug was out. He knew the waves were high. He knew all of these things. And Ms. Graswald was not his mother. You know, he's a grown man, and that's really his responsibility. It is. He made the decision to get in the water. Yeah. I mean, I hate the victim blaminess of that, but at the same time, he did make decisions. Victim blaming. Yeah, he made made the decision just like she did to get in the water. Yeah. They both made the decision to get in the water. Yeah. And he was. He didn't have a life vest. Yeah. 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 Now we're in the summer of 2017, and this whole time Angelica has maintained that she was innocent. But at the same time, she had no faith in the system whatsoever. So she was facing life in prison. Yeah. She spent the summer thinking it over. Yeah, that's my fear that she's going to take the deal when she would have just gotten off. I wouldn't risk it. You would take the deal? Oh, 100%. Life in prison or... I mean, you're about to find out now. She'd been in prison for so long that she was basically going to be out by Christmas with time yeah. served. And I think I would just be like, all right, fuck the justice system. Sure. Yeah. Sure, I'm guilty. Yeah. 
And I'd go back to Latvia, but you know, right? Whatever. Never yeah, so been, but back on that gymnastics team. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I'd put on some wrinkle cream and hope, <laughs> hope they've missed me. <laughs> she spent the summer thinking it over. Like I said, if she took the deal, she could be out by Christmas with time served. But that would mean a guilty plea. Yeah. Ultimately, she did take the deal. She said it wasn't an easy decision, but she had to weigh the risk. She could not risk going away Mm -hmm. to prison for the rest of her life. This whole time, Vincent's family maintained that Angelica murdered him. They were pissed that she got this deal. Really? Oh, yeah. Because imagine if you felt like your loved one was murdered and the murderer got, like, basically, I think Angelica was in prison for over two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When Angelica pled guilty, it solidified their feelings. Vincent's sister, Laura, said, she definitely did something, otherwise she would have fought it. She still took a plea. An innocent person doesn't take a plea. No, I disagree. I disagree, too. I think that's... That's someone who doesn't have a court podcast right there. 100% or has never listened to one. <laughs> no, I think that she totally distrusted the system mm-hmm. and was like, this is my best bet. I think she had a good chance of getting off if she went to trial. I think but so, too. It was, I completely believe that she wouldn't have seen it that way. Yeah. And that this was the least risky way to go. I agree. Yeah. I don't think it means that she is guilty. Yeah. I would also worry about like, if I were in a different country, you know, I had an accent and like Angelica, I'm sorry. She was younger, cuter than Vince. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there would be potentially people on a jury who would be like, there'd be bias there. Yeah. Yeah. There would be some serious distrust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they watched too much 90 day fiance, Mm -hmm. even though she'd been in the country for 15 years. Mm hmm. Six weeks later, Angelica was released. She'd spent about 32 months in prison. So now she has a felony on her record. Yeah. And she worries that she might get deported. Yeah. But there was one other thing she worried about. The life insurance policy. She tried to collect on it? Here's the thing. (laughs) So, like I said, she pled guilty. But because she pled guilty to unintentional homicide, she was still eligible for her split of the policy because it was unintentional. Hold on. Don't. Hold on. Hold on. You're smoking up like one of those hibachi onions right now. Vincent's family was determined to fight this. Oh, fuck yeah, they were. (laughs) They didn't want Angelica to receive any money. And like I said, she, she was about to receive... Potentially about $500,000. Yeah. But Angelica signed a paper that basically said that if she did get any money from the life insurance, it would go straight to her legal team. She was like, you guys deserve it. I don't want it. I'm sure she owed them a lot of money from she did. legal fees. Yeah. So in, in this 2020 episode, Elizabeth Vargas, who I enjoy immensely, mm-hmm. was like, do you think you deserve to get any money? And Angelica just shrugs and she goes it's just money i'll go get a job i'll make some wow what an attitude yeah wow yeah which i think is the perfect attitude to take like yeah when there's all this tension and all this anger caught up and it's just like it's just money yeah wow 
in August of I'm impressed two- by that. I am too. Mm-hmm. In August of 2018, Angelica was back in court to fight for her share of the insurance money. And she got nothing. Something. Oh. But I have no idea how much. Great. Thank you. Because they reached a confidential settlement. Oh, okay. Did you think that, like, I just had, and you're like, well, I just wasn't able to find that. It wraps up next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull a brandy. Stay tuned next week when I give you the exact right amount. $1,200. In an interview a few months after she got out of prison, Angelica talked to the New York Times about how she'd been portrayed in the public. She said, I'm a person with feelings. I love people. I love Vince. I love his family. I love my friends and his friends. I didn't just go out and cold-heartedly let him die. I tried to help him. I tried to paddle toward him. It's just not fair how they're portraying me as a cold-blooded murderer or killer. I agree. So that's that. Hmm. Like I said, I thought for sure she did it, and I listened. The I one thought thing, for sure she did it at the beginning. Well, the one <laughs> thing I can't shake is that nine one one call. That nine one one call. It's weird. Maybe I do wonder how much of it is just like being super cold. Yeah. Um. Maybe that. I, I don't know. I, all I can tell you is I listened to that and I was like, fake. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. But now I believe it was an accident. I do too. Yeah. I think it was an accident. Hmm. That was crazy. I'd never heard of that. Uh, yeah. I, it, was, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. If I ever want to kill you. You're going to take me out in a kayak? Multiple times. <laughs> and then on like the 12th time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to unplug the tiniest little plug oh from my our kayak gosh. and just hope things come together. No. Just kidding. We would never go kayaking. <laughs> never. Ooh. Oh, that's right. You've got a terrible one. God damn. I was like, why is she giving me that serious look? Because you're about to talk about murder. I am going to talk about Murder. This case came from a recommendation from one of our listeners on mm-hmm. Instagram. Her Instagram handle is Catwoman with a Y instead Ooh, of an yeah. A, which mm-hmm. I enjoy very much. Her name may be L. I don't know. I did a little Instagram stalking, but that's as far as I got. Why would it may be L? <laughs> because you don't you don't have like a profile. Like right. her profile's private, so I can't see all of her information. Uh-huh. But like in her bio it says L, but then it has uh-huh. a cat face next to it. So maybe she has a cat name L. Hope. These are the mysteries we need to uncover. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's like, I wanted you to investigate the case. Not me. <laughs> We officially lose a listener over this. (laughs) So thank you, Catwoman slash maybe L, for this recommendation. The majority of my information for this came from this six-part series for the Tulsa World by Tim Stanley. Okay. Very good series of articles. Okay. Are you ready? I mean, you look like you're. I'm. I'm really tense right now. Oh, okay. I'm really <laughs> you're tense. In, like, I don't. Your disposition. I, I, I am. I don't even know how to de- describe. You know what? The the way I am right now is like I'm maybe afraid you're about to roofie me because I've got like my <laughs> hand like over my iced coffee. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, Girl Scout murders. I'm not excited. And also, 
rude of you to not bring Girl Scout cookies to this. You're right. Mm -hmm. What was I thinking? I don't know. (laughs) Michelle Hoffman could feel the excitement. It was all around her and bubbling up inside her. It was June 12th, 1977. Oh my gosh. (laughs) The best day. (laughs) Brandy and Norman's birthday. And Michelle was in the parking lot of Girl Scout headquarters in Tulsa, Oklahoma, getting ready to board a bus for two weeks of sleepaway camp. Girls all around her were doing the same. They were preparing to head to Camp Scott, a 410-acre camp located just two miles from Locust Grove and about 50 miles from Tulsa. The camp had been run by the Girl Scouts since 1928 and offered hiking, swimming, stargazing, sleeping in tents, everything a young scout could want at summer camp. It was Michelle's seventh summer at the camp. And at 15, she'd aged out of the camper bracket. This year, she was returning as an aide to the camp director, and she was thrilled. Camp director was a position she dreamed she'd hold one day, as the camp had played a huge role in her development, and she dreamed of providing that same experience to other young girls. That June day in 1977, Michelle looked around the parking lot at all the faces. There were some she recognized and lots she didn't. It was the first session of the summer, and 130 girls were signed up to attend. As the girls started to load the buses to camp, one of the girls' faces caught her eye. Michelle was drawn to the girl for a couple of reasons. First, she was beautiful. Second, she was the only African-American girl there. And third, she looked nervous as hell. Hmm. So Michelle walked over to her, introduced herself, and learned that the girl was Denise Milner. She was 10 years old, a first-time camper, and she did not want to go. Oh, poor Denise. (laughs) Her mother explained to Michelle that Denise was feeling a little homesick already and was having second thoughts about getting on the bus. Michelle held out her hand to Denise and said, why don't you come with me? We'll ride down together. It'll be fun, I promise. So the two boarded the bus and on the hour and a half ride to the camp, Denise said very little. She just stared out the window. All along the way, though, Michelle kept saying encouraging things like, you're going to go do great. You'll have so much fun. That had always been her experience at camp. She could have no idea that Denise's experience at the idyllic Girl Scout camp located at the end of Cookie Trail Road would be very different. Once they arrived at Camp Scott, the girls were broken up into different groups and set off to different sections of the camp. Each section consisted of a counselor's tent and seven campers' tents. The tents were, when I was a Girl Scout, what we called permatents. Okay. So they had like, um, they were like a wooden structure. So they had like a wooden platform and then a wooden like roof structure and then canvas hung over that. Right. And you could roll the sides up to let the air in and whatever. And then inside were four cots for sleeping. Did you go to camp? As a I kid? did. I went to. So I was only a Girl Scout for one year, and I was thinking about this this morning. I was trying to figure out what year it was. I must have gone to Girl Scout camp between the summer between fifth and sixth grade, but I'm not positive. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> what the fuck? Don't act like what the fuck. I, I was, 
was a random only, person. I was only a Girl Scout my fifth grade year. I can't imagine I would have gone to Girl Scouts bef- to Girl Scout camp before I was an actual Girl Scout. I feel like I would remember if you I, had left me I, for two I had weeks. this exact thought this morning. I was like, it couldn't have been that summer. But I don't know how it could have been any other summer. It had to have been... Between third and fourth grade, because no, I, I wasn't a Girl Scout then. It would. It's either between fourth and fifth, or between fifth and sixth. Okay, maybe between fourth we and fifth. We weren't as good of friends, right? We weren't then. as good of friends then, so yeah. I would not have noticed if yeah. you'd gone. By so it must. It must weeks. be between fourth and fifth grade. Okay. So yeah, I went. My my session was only for a week. It wasn't two weeks since I was on the younger end. I would have only been like nine yeah. years old. And one of my friends was in that was from my Girl Scout troop was in my bunk with me. Uh-huh. But I was horribly homesick. I'd never like oh. been away like that before. I didn't know anybody else, but I still had a good time. But for for the first couple days, I was very sad. That is exactly like. So I always loved summer camp. Yeah, I worked as a camp counselor. Yeah. And it's the same if you're a camper or a camp counselor. The first couple days suck. Yeah. They just suck because you're yeah. like, so many new people. Yes. And then it's the best time ever. And then all they, the only place there were fucking flushing toilets was at the pool. Everywhere else oh, they were gross. just latrines. It was terrible. Crickets got in my duffel bag. Oh. I had bug bites everywhere. Hated that part. Loved the zip lining and the swimming and the rappelling. That was all very cool. <laughs> yeah, I n- okay. I've never roughed it. I've never yeah. done. I mean, my toilets always flush. No, no, everywhere no. I go. Yeah, no. <laughs> Except outdoor this morning. Outdoor shower. <laughs> this morning when you flush the toilet with the water turned off. Okay, guys. Norman, best husband ever. He's changing out the kitchen sink right now. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not at the moment, but it's given him a ton of trouble. He's run into like seven issues. It's been bad. This morning, he woke up way early to work on the sink. Um, I like woke up at my normal time, kind of stumble into the bathroom, go pee, flush the toilet, and the toilet goes... <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I hear from downstairs, God damn it! <laughs> Apparently, Norman had had his face over a pipe and it had just splashed him right in the face. Poor Norm. Oh, no. It was great. He really, really appreciated it. Anyway, back to the story. So, okay. So you get the idea of the permittents, whatever. So when the groups were divided up, Michelle and Denise were put into separate groups and sent their separate ways. So, like, there are several of these seven tent setups throughout the camp. Right. Um, So they're put into different sections. But Denise did all right getting settled in and meeting her new bunkmates, the people that she would sleep with for the next two weeks. Yeah. They were Lori Farmer, who was eight, and Michelle Goose. Goose. G-U-S-E. Goose? Goose? That's what I said, but yeah. doesn't sound right. <laughs> you know. Michelle Goose, who was nine. The day went well, but that night, a thunderstorm hit the camp, and all the campers were sent to their tents to hunker down for the night. That night, in Tent 7, where these girls were assigned, they waited out the storm together. Lori Farmer wrote a letter home. She told her parents that she'd already made some new friends and was excited for camp. But over on Denise's cot, a letter of a different tone was being written. Denise wrote, Dear Mom, I don't like camp. 
it's awful. The first day, huh? it rained. I have three new friends named Glinda, Lori, and Michelle. Michelle and Lori are my roommates. Mom, I don't want to stay at camp for two weeks. I want to come home and see Kathy and everybody. Your loving child, Denise Milner. (laughs) So sad. Yeah. This is this make me so nostalgic for camp. Yeah. There were so many dramatic letters home. Well, these girls would never get to mail their letters. Oh, God, don't remind me that this is a sad story. The following morning, June 13th, 1977, camp counselor Carla Wilhite exited the counselor's tent and headed to the shower at approximately 6 a.m. Now, Carla had been awoken in the middle of the night by some strange sounds. Um, Later, she would describe them as guttural, almost not human. Um, But she'd come out of the tent to check it out. She'd shined her flashlight all along the camper's tents. Hadn't seen anything. So she'd gone back inside. She'd woken up another counselor and they said they hadn't heard anything. So she went back to sleep. So it's now 6 a.m. She's walking to the shower and on her way, she's doing like a quick glance of the Mm -hmm. campers' tents. And that's when she saw something kind of out of the ordinary. So tent seven is what they called it. Police would later call it camp eight because they, or tent eight because they counted the counselors' tent as tent one. Okay. But the campers' tents were the only ones that were numbered typically. Is this important or is this? It's not at all. Randy, please go into a lot of detail. And what is a screen door anyway? So as she looks at tent seven, she sees something that's kind of odd. At first, it looked like it was like a pile of sleeping bags about 100 yards outside the tent. And so she kind of walked over to see what it was. And upon closer inspection, it was clear that it was actually a pile of bodies. (gasps) Denise, Lori, and Michelle were all dead. Oh, my God. Carla alerted the camp director and police were on the scene within the hour. The campers were all gathered together far from the tent. And within three hours of the discovery, they were loaded onto buses and sent back home without being told what was going on. How old was the girl who discovered them? I don't know. Young. But yeah, like a teenager. Yeah, like a teenager. God. Yeah. A photographer for the Tulsa world, who also sometimes worked as a police photographer, photographing crime scenes, would later recall how striking the scene was. Here he was in this beautiful camp surrounded by nature with the sound of singing scouts in the background because the girls were occupied like, well, yeah, they didn't want them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like singing songs and whatever. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, he's taking photos of three little girls who had been brutally murdered. God, that poor guy. Oh, yeah. Well, he's like a news photographer, so it's not like he's even like mentally prepared to deal with stuff like that. There's but it was a pretty no small town, and so for oh that. Yeah. yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Those poor little girls. Investigators were able to piece together what had happened pretty easily. Inside the tent was a gruesome scene. There was blood everywhere, <sighs> but someone had made an attempt to clean it up. The Why? perpetrator in that's, that's so weird. Yes. The perpetrator had used bed coverings to try and wipe the pools of blood off the floor and then stuffed the blood soaked claws into the sleeping bags with Michelle and Lori. Dude, it didn't happen at your house. You don't have to uh, clean the super, scene. It's super weird. 
Whoever had committed this crime had cut the canvas on the tent and made entry through either the back or the side. I'm not sure which which direction he came and in. And what but number tent was this? It was either seven or eight, depending on how you count. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the police... So, the reason I say that, uh-huh. it really doesn't fucking matter to the story. But, like, there's a book about this. It's, it's called, like, The Girls in Tent 8 or something like that. I see what but you mean. But at camp, they always called it Tent 7. Yeah, yeah. So, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so, whoever had done this had cut the canvas, made entry through the back or the side of the tent, and then bludgeoned Lori and Michelle to death. Oh, my um, God. Lori had been hit on the side and the back of the head which made police believe that she was either standing with her back to the perpetrator or laying like on her stomach in her bed when she was attacked. Wow. Their bodies were then put into their sleeping bags and dragged or carried over a hundred yards from the tent. Denise was bound with some kind of ligature, I believe tape and then asphyxiated. Her body nude from the waist down was piled on top of the other girls. Oh my God. All three girls were sexually assaulted. Why did you do this? I hate this. Many. So this is really weird. So many articles say that the girls were raped Mm -hmm. and they were definitely sexually assaulted. But I found a specific article that mentions a press release from the medical examiner saying they were not raped. So I don't I don't know. I don't think it fucking matters. It's a terrible fucking crime either way. And I wonder, like, do some. uh, Yeah, I, I. I. it's such a small detail that I don't think it matters. It doesn't make it any better or worse. They were sexually assaulted in some way. Semen was found on all of their bodies. Oh, gross. Yeah. But I think it's weird that they all say that they were raped, and then there's a specific article where the medical examiner says they weren't. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Investigators don't didn't really have that much in the way of physical evidence in the case, though. So they have... The Wait, semen. what year was this? 1977. Oh, damn it. Oh, yeah. I was like, Brady, semen's, it, I mean, I it doesn't, do, doesn't do hardly shit for them at yeah, that point. Yeah. yeah. Hardly shit. I don't think that's a phrase people say. <laughs> and you invented it. <laughs> Good job. Um, what they do have, though, is a shoe print that was left in blood mm. inside the tent. Okay. And it's a size nine and a half men's shoe print. Okay. And then they also have a fingerprint from a big red flashlight that was found on top of the girls' bodies. Did not belong to any of the girls, but it was found on top of them. Other than that, they had some tape and some rope that had been used maybe to tie Denise up. Obviously, the murders became huge news very quickly. Terrible. Three beautiful little girls were dead, and it had happened somewhere where kids should feel safe and have fun. Yes. The public was outraged. They wanted answers, and someone needed to pay for this. Are you setting me up for them getting the wrong guy? No, I don't know. Am I? Oh, damn it. Hmm. This sentence makes no sense. Let's hear it. Let's hear it as written. Initially, she was getting leaded to the press. <laughs> Sorry. Just spat everywhere. <laughs> um, initially, shit was getting leaked to the press oh, okay. left and right, Very is what good. that's supposed to say. Okay. <laughs> and only like 38% of it was correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this leaked information kept getting printed in the newspaper. 
No. Yes. So it was announced that two different sized footprints were found and that fingerprints were found on the bodies, that the murder weapon had been determined to be a crowbar and that it had been found and that there were all kinds of viable fingerprints all over it. Okay, so, I am pissed. Was were there reporters making this shit up, or were there people on the police side just? Like, I don't know. I don't know the shit. answer to that. God. Yeah. Okay. So, eventually, but not nearly soon enough, the sheriff ordered a media blackout in the case because no all of this information was hurting the investigation. Yes. Two different footprints had been found, but they couldn't say that the, when the second one was made. It was oh. outside the tent, not inside. Okay. It was a boot rather than a shoe, but. Could have been there for days. They didn't really right, they right. didn't really have any way of knowing exactly when it was made. And there were sightings of a man near the camp with boots on a couple days prior to the murder. Hmm. Um and then the fingerprints that it was released were found all over the girls' bodies. All the medical examiner said was, No, that's not the case. And they wouldn't elaborate on what where that information had no, come what's from. Not the case. There, Multiple. there were not there were not fingerprints oh, all over gotcha, the girls' gotcha. bodies. Okay. Um, I don't even know how that would work. I don't think you can leave a fingerprint on skin. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. 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 No murder weapon was ever located, let alone one that was covered in fingerprints. Okay. I'm guessing that this was like. Yeah, we think uh, we think it was probably done with a crowbar, and then that turns into oh, they it found was a crowbar. A crowbar. Yeah. crowbar. They found it. It's got fingerprints all over it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If this was an episode of Sesame Street, <laughs> the word of the day would have been miscommunication. Why the hell would this be an episode of Sesame <laughs> well, Street? What do you mean, Kristen? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do something clever. God. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by miscommunication because the miscommunications did not stop with the leaks. This is the worst episode of Sesame Street I've what? ever seen. <laughs> what if I did it like in a Big Bird voice? Would that be better? What's Big Bird's voice? I have Do no it. idea. Oh. Does he talk? Yeah, he fucking yeah. talks. Don't give me that face. <laughs> so when authorities visited michelle goose's parents to inform them of michelle's death Mm -hmm. somehow the gooses left that conversation thinking michelle had been in some kind of accident what it's unclear if the officials told them that or if it was simply like their interpretation of what they were told but they didn't find out that their daughter had been murdered until they saw the bulletin about it on the fucking news hitting me no Oh, my God. How fucking terrible would that have been? Do you think they were, like, trying to, like, nice it up a bit? I think probably. And so I think they oh probably didn't God. want to say your daughter was murdered. And so they said, there's been an incident. She's dead. Oh, no. And they totally interpreted it as there was some kind of accident. Yes. Yeah. Because you would never jump to the conclusion that, oh, my daughter was brutally murdered. Right. At Girl Scout camp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How terrible. Oh, Rip yeah. Rip the Band-Aid off oh, in yeah. one go. Yeah. Another kind of pseudo miscommunication came with the release of the girls' identities to the press. Like I said earlier, the camp was evacuated following the murder and the girls were sent home without knowing what was going on. Mm-hmm. Among those girls was Michelle Hoffman, the girl that had ridden down yeah. with um, Denise and who was looking forward to spending her summer um, aiding the camp director that summer. I said summer too many rounds. It was the summertime, guys. Guys, it was, <laughs> it summer, was the summer camp. Summer camp, in the summer. summertime. 
directing the is with hot. the camp director. <laughs> so when Michelle heard about what had happened, she was devastated. But yes. she didn't recognize any of the names of the victims. Initially, Denise Milner was identified as Doris Milner, as what? Doris was her legal first name, oh. but she went by Denise, her middle name. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until Michelle saw a picture of the victims on the news that she saw that Doris was actually Denise, mm. the sweet, timid girl she'd ridden the bus with. Yeah. And it broke her heart. Well, yeah. She... That'd be horrible. Oh, yeah. And she knew that Camp Scott would likely never reopen, and summer camp in general would never spark the joy in her that it had. No. That would just completely change. Yeah, There I'd was be this done. girl who was, thought she was going to grow up to be a camp director. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Horrible. So the leaks to the press stopped with the media blackout, and for a few days there were no updates in the case. Then on June 23rd, 1977, police announced they'd identified a suspect and charged him with the murder of the three girls. There was one big problem, though. Mm-hmm. They had no idea where he was. What? The suspect was identified as 33-year-old Jean Leroy Hart. Hart was a Cherokee Indian and had a criminal record that held prior convictions for violent crime. He'd been convicted on rape and kidnapping charges in 1966, but had been paroled in 1969. Shortly after his release... He'd raped and kidnapped and he was out on parole? It's kind of a weird case. I couldn't find much about it, but... Ooh, did this happen on a reservation? It didn't happen on a reservation. Oh, there goes that theory. It did not. He is a Cherokee Indian, um, but... It's a weird case because it was like two women willingly got in his car initially, but then wanted to get out of his car and he didn't oh, let them. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then sex that he thought was consensual mm. in his in his yeah, version okay. of events turned okay. out not to be consensual. So right, it's an Leroy. odd case. Yeah. yeah. Um, his name's Gene. Gene Leroy? Yes. I'm calling him Leroy because <laughs> Leroy's the more sinister name. Um, so he had only served three years before being I'm paroled sorry. in that case. Yeah. That's kayaking time. That's not kidnap <laughs> and rape time. So shortly after his release, though, he was tried and convicted in four robberies around the Tulsa area. Damn. And for those crimes, he was sentenced to 50 to <gasps> 305 years oh in God. prison. Yeah, it was like, oh, we let you out on that kidnapping and rape stuff. Well, we're really going to pile it on for these robbery charges. Good God. Yeah. I don't even know how that's possible. It was four charges. Welcome to America. We love our stuff. Rape Holy whoever you want. Holy fucking shit. Holy, yeah. So he's sentenced to 50 to 305 years. That's crazy. Crazy. But in 1973, he managed to escape <gasps> with another inmate no. and had been on the run for the last four years. No. Yes. How'd he escape? I don't know. Damn it, Brandy. I don't know. I'm sorry. That would have been the perfect opportunity to just say he did a Shawshank Redemption tunnel. <laughs> Climbed out a sewer pipe. Well, he got a poster and uh, <laughs> you tell me what he did. <laughs> Investigators had reason to believe that Hart had been in the area near the camp near the time of the murders. Mm -hmm. And they said that they tracked him to a cave about three miles from the camp. In the cave, they found pictures that Hart had developed 
during his time working in the prison photo lab, which who knew the fucking prison had a photo lab? Yeah, that's super odd. Super weird. The legitimacy of these pictures and how they came to be found in this cave would mm-hmm. become pretty controversial down the road. Yeah. There were many who believed that Hart was not a viable suspect and that he was a scapegoat. That the sheriff had a personal vendetta against him and that the photos had been planted in the cave because the sheriff was humiliated that he'd been unable to capture the fugitive Hart for four years now. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's pretty likely. I think so, too. Yeah. The sheriff, Pete Weaver had somewhat of a reputation of having it out for the Native Americans in the area. Oh, no. And Cherokee activists began to speak up in support of Hart. It was unusual. The public had been crying out for someone to pay for these crimes. Mm -hmm. But when the suspect was announced, it was very polarizing. Mm. A lot of people were like, no, we know him. There's no way like this is possible. And people were like, other people were like, oh, yes, of course it's him. Let's hunt him down. Let's find him. Hold on. What evidence did they have besides just some photos? That's literally all the evidence they had. Okay. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> if you're on the run, yes. you don't take photos yes. so, that can be linked to you yes. and like put them on your Exactly. So no. in this cave, there was tape that matched the tape at the crime scene. Uh-huh. There was a pair of sunglasses that were believed to be stolen from the camp, and there were those photos. Mm-hmm. And the photos linked heart to the cave, and the evidence linked the cave to the campsite. Mm-hmm. I think it's fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So the search for Gene Leroy Hart would grow to be the biggest manhunt in Oklahoma history. Whoa. It would take 10 months to track him down. Ultimately, they tracked him to a two-room shack of a Cherokee medicine man about 30 minutes outside of Locust Grove. When investigators confirmed that Hart was there, Dick Wilkerson, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation's chief inspector, gave the order to bring him in. Go ahead and take him. Don't kill him unless you have to, but he can't get away. But Hart was taken into custody without incident. Mm-hmm. Sam Pigeon, the Cherokee medicine man, was later charged with harboring a fugitive. Yeah. Finally... Many people around the community, including the parents of the three little girls, felt like they could breathe again. The monster was in custody. I don't know. They were safe. But a growing number of people began to question if they had the right guy. Mm -hmm. Despite his checkered past, everyone who knew Hart said he never would have been capable of a crime like this. Among his supporters was his defense attorney, Garvin Isaacs, a former public defender (laughs) He was dependent on the public. (laughs) A former public defender who now owned his own practice. He said that the first time he met Hart, the first words out of his mouth were, I want you to know one thing. I did not kill those Girl Scouts. Mm -hmm. And Isaacs believed him. Support for Hart continued to grow as the trial neared. Businesses around Locust Grove held fundraisers for his legal fees. Wow. Supporters wore T-shirts that said, Stop the Mays County Railroad, Mm. a nod to the view that Hart was being railroaded or set up for an unfair trial. Yeah. The Cherokee Nation Tribal Council also came forward and donated $12,500 for Hart's defense. Mm -hmm. Adjusted for inflation. Oh. That would be about $54,000. Not too shabby. Though the donation came with an official statement. 
they said the council said that they were not taking a position on Hart's guilt or innocence, but that they just wanted to ensure that he received a fair trial. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't get a fair trial without money. No. I, I firmly yeah. believe that. Yeah. The murder trial of Jean Leroy Hart finally began on March 5th, 1979, 21 months after the murder. And it was a fucking circus. Uh-huh. The trial was held at the county courthouse in Pryor, Oklahoma, and news media from all over the country flocked to the small town to cover it. Jury selection took 10 days. Whoa. With more than 110 prospective jurors being questioned. Finally, a jury of six men and six women were selected and sequestered for the duration of the How trial. How many Native people on the jury? Do you I know? I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if the prosecutor was like, we'd like a bunch of white people, Probably. Please. Yeah. <laughs> the state's case hinged on two basic types of evidence. The biological, including hair and sperm samples found on the girls, mm-hmm. which expert testimony said belonged to Hart, and items that could put Hart at or near the scene of the crime. So the biological evidence, by today's standard, was sketchy at best. Right. So my understanding of the court records, so I read through this a little bit, um, Uh and I was, like, reading, like, the official court records. So, like, some of it was in shorthand. So I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? So my understanding was that an expert testified that the hair found on the body was in keeping with the texture and makeup of Native American hair, that it was never actually compared to Jean Leroy Hart's actual hair. That's insane. Is that not insane? Yes. And the semen found at the scene, so DNA was not a thing yet. Right, right. But what they did was they they looked at the semen found on the scene under a microscope, and mm-hmm. they compared it to a sample provided by Hart. Mm-hmm. And they were, said that they were the same shape, that the sperm what? was the same shape. So it well, likely aren't... came from the same person. Oh, come on. Apparently the tail of sperm and the shape of the head can vary greatly from person to person, Kristen. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a very specific science. I feel like, I feel like that's not really so much a thing because we don't hear <laughs> yeah, about that at all. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so that's... The biological evidence that they present Can from their experts if at that trial was your job. No to like fucking get shit. Your face right yeah. down in there. Yeah. As for the items that could put Hart at the scene of the crime, that's what I mentioned earlier. There was the pair of sunglasses that were alleged to have been stolen from a camp counselor, mm-hmm. a roll of tape that matched the tape at the scene, and the photos that they were able to link to Hart through the that prison is, photo that lab. Is so stupid. These items had all been found in that cave where investigators believed Hart had been hiding out. But they didn't find, like, a sleeping bag. They didn't find food. They didn't find water. All of the obvious things you would have if you were hiding out there? Nope. No, he went for putting up the homey touches first. Interesting way to go, I gotta say. But the prosecution admitted that they had no smoking gun. They knew that their case was circumstantial. But if you look at all the pieces together, they told the jury. And add in a dash of racism. <laughs> they add up to a guilty verdict. Uh-huh. The defense strategy was essentially to put the investigation on trial. Isaacs told the jurors that the prosecution case was all part of a grand design to convict an innocent man. 
Authorities had been out to get Hart from the beginning, he told the jury, and they'd ignored other, more likely suspects, namely convicted rapist Bill Stevens, who by this time was serving time in a Kansas prison. Hmm. Stevens, Isaacs told the jury, was the stronger suspect, and, um, and then he called a handful of witnesses who testified that they had all seen Bill Stevens the morning of the murders, Acting nervous. Where? And the near the campsite. No. And the witnesses testified that Stevens was dirty and had red stains on his boots. Well, god damn it. Right? Yes. Were they nine and a half? Probably. Uh. I don't know. But so the prosecution maintained that the sheriff investigated him and ruled him mm-hmm. out as a suspect. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Yeah. Then perhaps the simplest but most damning proof of innocence was offered by the de- by the defense. Those two pieces of concrete evidence the prosecution had, the fingerprint from the flashlight and the Mm -hmm. shoe print and blood, Mm -hmm. neither belonged to Hart. The fingerprint wasn't a match. Oh. And the shoe print was a nine and a half. Hart wore an 11 and a half. Well, yep. You can't change your fingerprints and you can't shrink your feet, Isaacs told the jury. Believe me, I've tried. Yeah, that's not him. Yeah. How did this get to trial? Is that, that is not, insane. It's insane, right? Oh. Yeah. So Betty Milner, who was Doris Milner's mom, mm-hmm. said, I'm sorry, Denise Milner. I don't know why I called her Doris. That is her legal it's name. It's her legal but... name. You got confused. <laughs> <laughs> we'll correct it on um... next week's episode in our new segment. <laughs> called shit, Brandy fucked up. Um, she said the courtroom was a lonely place to be. Hmm. It wasn't hostile, but there were few people on her side, it seemed. When leaving the courtroom, the girl's parents said people would come up to them and say, I'm sorry, but Hart did not kill your daughter. Okay, shut up. Yeah, that's not helping anybody. No. And it didn't help to see the collection jars set up in his name at stores all over town. Yeah, then you The town had really gotten behind Hart, which was very difficult for the parents. I mean, I'm glad the town got behind yeah. it. Yeah. But I can see how that would just be awful because then you feel like no one's advocating yeah, exactly. for your daughters. Absolutely. Mm. The trial itself was difficult to watch at times for them, too. Not just because the material was so hard to hear, but because it would break down to a full-on sparring match between the two lead attorneys at times. Oh, God. Both the prosecutor and the defense attorney were admonished multiple times for their behavior in court. At one point, the two attorneys had been called into the judges' chambers where th- when things had escalated in the courtroom. And things continued to escalate so much in chambers that the prosecutor challenged Isaacs to a fight. No. Yes. Isaacs didn't take him up on it, but prosecutor Ugh. Ron Schaefer remembers it as the only time in his career that he challenged an opponent. Fucking dudes, man. Yeah. That's dumb. It's so dumb. After 10 days of testimony, the case was handed to the jury. They began deliberating on a Thursday afternoon. They deliberated for six hours before retiring for the evening. Then the following day, March 30th, after deliberating only another 30 minutes, they sent word to the judge that they'd reached a verdict. The jury found Gene Leroy Hart. They could not have found him guilty. They couldn't have? No. You don't think that's possible? No. They found him not guilty. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> you jerk. Oh, <laughs> the courtroom broke into cheers as the verdict was read. Hmm. 
Hart put his face in his hands and sobbed out of relief. The parents of Michelle, Lori, and Denise cried tears of a different kind. How could this happen? The police had told them this was the man who murdered their children. Did they believe that, though, after listening to all that? I think... I think if you... If you're in their situation and the police are telling you, we're getting you justice for your girls, this man did this to them. Yeah, yeah. It would be easy to see the prosecution side and be like, yeah, this is him. Like, yeah, I mean, we might not have the best evidence, but we got to put this guy away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think because you trust the police. I say fuck the police. (laughs) I'm saying if you were those no, parents in that just, situation, you would trust just, the police. I'm just rapping to you, which is what I do sometimes. The jury later told the press that on their initial vote in the jury room, they had all voted not guilty. Wow. Yeah. They came to the unanimous decision after only five minutes, but they felt they owed it to the families to deliberate on it longer to be absolutely sure they were making the right decision. I love that. Yeah. 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 Hart was relieved, but he wasn't a free man. He was sent back to prison to continue serving his sentence on the robbery conviction. For 300 years? Yeah. That's crazy. 300 years for robbery. Jesus. I mean, what did he take? I I don't know. It was only four charges of robbery. That's that's crazy to me. On June 4th, 1979, almost two years to the day after the murders, Heart dropped dead of a heart attack <gasps> in the prison exercise yard. Whoa. Yeah. After the acquittal, Sheriff Weaver was asked if he would reopen the investigation into the Girl Scout camp murders. And he said, why would we? We have the right man. No, you don't, dum-dum. Mm-hmm. Oh, that fuckwad. Yeah. He knows he doesn't yeah. have the right guy. Mm-hmm. DNA testing has been developed since the crimes, and multiple attempts have been made to match Gene Leroy Hart's DNA to the semen samples collected from the scene. A partial match in 1989 said there was a 1 in 7,700 chance that the sample belonged to anyone other than Hart. But the sample was officially deemed deteriorated. deteriorated, Yeah, you said it. Deteriorated. (laughs) And therefore deemed inconclusive because it failed to match the five aspects required for a conclusive match. Okay. So it wasn't... I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means that those results are wrong or inaccurate, but Mm. it was deemed inconclusive. Okay. As recently as 2017, 40 years after the murders, um, fundraising efforts were made to do independent DNA testing on the samples once again. The fundraising goal was met, but no word yet on the result of that testing. This is unsolved. It is unsolved. What about that dude, that sketchy dude? So I don't know if they ever looked into him anymore. He's dead now. He died in prison as well. Oh, wow. Um, So this has become kind of an urban legend story. There's a lot of like um, aspects to it that have kind of grown in legend and people think um, there's paranormal aspects to it. So two days before the murders, the counselors were at camp doing training, mm-hmm. and one of the counselors had a box of donuts in her tent. And when she went back to her tent, the donuts were gone. They'd been stolen. But in the box was a note that said, three girls will die here this year. 
No. Yes. That really happened. Re- according to yeah, okay. according to a couple of sources, it really happened. But she just wrote it off as like, like some, the, so some she reported prank. it to the camp. According to this yeah, tale, okay, okay. she reported it to the camp director, and they wrote it off as a prank. Yeah. Yeah. The day before the murders, there was reported seeing two men wearing like army style combat boots near the behind the tents mm-hmm. near the camp. A man who lived in the area of the camp said he heard um, heavy like automobile traffic the night of the murders, like around 3 a.m. Uh-huh. But no car or anything was ever linked to the crime. Oh, this is so frustrating. Um, okay, perhaps the craziest one. Okay. So Denise Milner's shoes were missing from the scene. And so the camp was shut down after right. the crimes. It was never reopened. Oh, wow. Um, it's like completely abandoned now. Parts of the building still stand. You can actually go look at the pictures of it online. Oh, God. Yeah. But so her shoes disappeared. And then like two months or something after, like a maintenance worker was there at the camp taking care of something. And Denise Milner's shoes appeared. <gasps> her shoes and socks were wet. In a bag, and they appeared like on the stairs out of one Fuck. outside no. of one of the buildings on, at the camp. No, yeah, yes. Hold on, like oh god, uh, right? Parts, like, when I read that, I was like, holy fucking shit! Like, so he was there, he was doing his thing. There was no, no bag. Yeah, comes back, season. bag, shoes, socks. They're wet inside oh. this bag, and they were positively. ID'd as Denise Milner's shoes. I would shit my pants. Yeah. Yeah. And then run. Yeah. Last little bit. Oh my God. There was a fourth camper assigned to Tent 7 for that session. Her name was Connie Sanders and she stayed home due to (gasps) illness. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, that. This story is too much. This story is so fucking creepy. Oh, yeah. What do you, what do you do with that? I mean, I don't I don't know. Yeah, like imagine being that girl. No, I can't. I can't imagine it. Yeah. So, one of the girls' parents, one of the girls, I think it was Lori, was trying to decide if she should go to Girl Scout camp or to camp at the Y. Mm-hmm. She couldn't decide, and so she asked her parents to decide, and they decided to send her to camp to the Girl Scout camp, and oh, so God. they felt. They lived with that guilt forever. And then Denise's mom, obviously Denise had decided at the last minute that she didn't want to go. And Denise made her, or and Betty made her go. And so she carried that (sighs) guilt forever too. Which is what you do as a parent though. I mean, if if my parents had caved every time I said I didn't want to do anything, I wouldn't have done anything. anything. Yeah. One of the girl's parents, I believe it was Michelle Goose. I might have this wrong. I didn't write it down. They founded the Oklahoma chapter of... Uh, parents of murdered children group. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's a devastating case and still te- to this day technically unsolved. Yeah. How horrible. Yeah. But I'm really glad they didn't convict. I am too. Yeah. I am too. So there are some conspiracy theories. Sorry, I just did a weird straw noise. Go ahead. There are some conspiracy theories that Gene Hart did not die of a heart attack in prison and that he was really murdered. How old was he? He was 
35. Oh, yeah, he didn't die. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what? No, I mean, like, die of natural causes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go ahead, go ahead. He was 33 when he was charged, so... Yeah, he would have been 30, 35. Okay. So there's conspiracy theories that he was taken out because people believe that he was, he should have been found guilty. Mm. Um, And that the sheriff's office and the medical examiner's office were in on it and made it, made the report show that he had died of a heart attack. Hmm. That's just a conspiracy theory. There's no actual fact backing that up anywhere. I'd rock a tinfoil hat for that one. Oh, I would too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Oh, my God. And that's the Oklahoma Girl Scout camp murders, That Kristen. was nuts. You told that story very well. Thank you. It was deeply unsettling. Yes. Thank you to Catwoman on <laughs> Instagram for that one. Wow. Oof. I have something to tell you. Oh, my gosh. Yay. And actually, so I've started a thing now mm. where I've got some notes at the bottom of my script. Oh. Things to bring up. Wow. Because I forgot this Two weeks in a row, I forgot to tell you this. Oh, great. Maybe it was just one week. And Kyla was so annoyed with me for forgetting to tell you this that she texted me this morning. She was like, I know you guys record today. Do not forget to tell Brandy, blah, blah. <laughs> okay. So your um, Hobson murder case. Yeah. You, you were doing your Johnson County yes. uh, series. Uh-huh. And I always think I have no connection to this stuff. Yeah. Listen to this shit. So Jimmy Crumb, that was uh-huh. the seventeen-year-old boy who killed his um, stepbrother. Step-brother. Yeah, my grandpa was his his elementary school basketball coach. Holy shit! Yes. So my dad just like casually brings up, he's like, you know, Grandpa uh, was his coach. Said that you know Jimmy was always a really aggressive kid, and you know, kind of had some had some trouble. <laughs> oh my god! Apparently. You know, when he was living with his dad, they moved over to Raytown, which my grandpa was in the Raytown School District for like decades. And yeah. Holy shit. Nuts. That is nuts. Then, on a very different note. (laughs) So you're always telling me disgusting things about how poop is everywhere basically like, oh yeah you feces ruined, constantly so you ruined mints for me like yeah urine in, mints those are really urine mints uh okay go ahead and tell the story of urine mints okay so, so like the, if you see a bowl of mints like at a restaurant stay, which i normally always take like, one you know like the little plastic wrapped peppermints and stuff stay fucking far away from those because people go to the bathroom at restaurants and like an alarming percentage of them do not wash their hands yeah, people afterwards. are gross yes. people are disgusting so that means they got urine all over the hands they reach in that mint bowl and that those urine germs whatever germs are on their fucking hands all over those mints they're just infested but wouldn't that mean that those germs are everywhere yeah but you're not putting other things in your mouth well they're wrapped no that's getting they're not they're not fucking air sealed Kristen. okay (laughs) if you see air sealed mints sure go (laughs) ahead and eat those okay so you did that uh-huh. months ago. Yeah. Then, what was it, last week you ruined bar fruit oh, for yeah. me? Okay, tell Feces them. limes. Tell, t- <laughs> tell them about that. Okay, so we, at our at our celebratory dinner. Yes. It was, yes. so we each got a cocktail, mm-hmm. and 
Mine, I think, came with a lemon and yours came with a lime. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, I looked over and noticed that you did like a little squeezy with it. Okay, don't act like I'm weird. I did the normal and thing. Then you plunked it right in your drink. Yes. Okay, I read an article about a study on that bar fruit, you know, the cherries, the oranges, really not the cherries because those just come out of a jar, but like right. little orange slices that they put like on blue moon, um, little lemon wedges, lime wedges, all that shit. Okay. So that shit just gets cut up randomly throughout mm-hmm. the day. And typically the bartender just like wipes their hands off on that fucking gray ass dish rag yeah, that's that been sitting always in gross. the thing of water for four days. Yes. So they did a study where they tested the rinds of those bar fruits and they had a ton of germs all over them. Feces, vagina fungus. Okay. All kinds of disgusting (laughs) shit. Okay, so in conclusion, Brandy (laughs) ruins things for me. So this past weekend, I was out with some friends, and I got a cocktail, and you know what? I got a lime wedge with it. No, God, you just plunked it right in there. I did, I did. But the whole time, I couldn't stop thinking about the feces, and I thought, Brandy has ruined... (laughs) cocktails for me and so you know i'm sitting around with a group of people and i'm like pretty much done with my drink but i was like you know what i'm gonna send a picture of this to brandy and i can't remember what i wrote with it but so i did that not realizing how stupid i would look because it was like super dark so i took a picture it flashed yes. and like so everyone turns to look at me and there i am taking an ugly picture of my empty drink (laughs) like I don't know how to Instagram or something and so then I had to be like the gross person at the party who's like well the reason I'm doing this is because my friend says there's feces on this bar fruit and so everyone starts talking about like oh yeah I saw that study and everyone's talking about how disgusting it is yeah then then get this my friend Jocelyn sitting next to me she said Well, you know, I've heard the same thing about men's beards. I saw a study. Men's beards have feces. I've heard that. I was overjoyed. I was like, this is excellent. Brandy's husband has a big old poop beard. I'm so excited to ruin this for her. So I've been excited all week long. I'm like, I'm going to ruin Brandy's day. She ruined bar fruit. I'm going to ruin Zach's face. You know, then... Okay, don't, don't, don't do this. I know, I know. (laughs) So before you came over, Mm -hmm. your face, God, before you came over, I was like, I'm going to find this study. I'm going to have it ready. Click, dee, 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 dee. It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. I was so disappointed (laughs) that your husband's beard isn't chock full of feces. Zach shampoos his beard twice a day. Twice a day? Twice a day. Damn. Don't you think that's excessive? Yes. So here's the reason he's why. He's over shampooing. Oh, yeah. He totally is. And I've told him this, but he's very into keeping that thing nice. So this is what he does. So he, if you don't know, I mean, you know, but our listeners don't know. Uh-huh. He's a mechanic. So he works very hard at work. He gets very dirty. So before he goes to bed every night, he takes a shower. Mm-hmm. You know, lathers it all up, <laughs> shampoos that I'm sorry, beard. I just spit everything. What's he do in the shower? <laughs> he lathers up his head to toe with that one soap, just like your dad. <laughs> oh, gross. Can we not mention my dad in the shower ever again? Would you rather me say DP in the shower? God. It's not great either way. 
<laughs> so then he goes to bed with his beard wet. And so in the morning, he has to shower again oh, to his beard reshape looks all his crazy. beard. Yeah. Why doesn't he blow dry his beard? Oh, he's never going to do that. I asked him one time. Okay, so I saw this story on <laughs> like a little video on Facebook about men getting beard blowouts. So like round yeah. brushing their beards. Yeah. And so one night we were like laying in bed and I was like, hey, <laughs> can I round brush your beard? And he goes, that's a no. <laughs> and I said, one time? You don't Why even not? know what that means. And he said... I know it sounds fucking girly, like you're trying to give me feathered bangs or something. (laughs) (laughs) He wouldn't let you do it one time. Nope, he vetoed the beard blowout. Yeah. He's too manly, Kristen. You know, when Norman started blow drying his hair, he felt like he was a whole new man. Wow. He was just like, it's so much more manageable. It looks so much better. Yeah. It's quick. Feels mm-hmm. pleasant to have this warm air That's on That's right. Yeah. Mm. yeah, he gives himself a blowjob every day. <laughs> God. Got those ribs removed. And... <laughs> I'm sorry, what are we talking about? <laughs> I used to have a customer who every time after, she, I cut her hair, nobody gives a shit, but I cut yeah. her hair dry because she had a very specific layered cut. And so she would get like these little pieces of hair on her face. And so at the end of her haircut, every time she'd ask for her blowjob. <gasps> She was saying it to be funny. Yes, she knew she was saying it to be funny, but I thought it always cracked me up. Yeah. She's like, now I'm ready for my (laughs) blowjob. I had a totally different mental image. I was thinking. Of like someone who didn't know that they were saying something disgusting. And her name's Karen. (laughs) Yeah. And she has no clue. (laughs) Oh, another thing I want to tell you. Mm. Some kind soul has created a subreddit for us <gasps> on Reddit. Yeah, so... Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm click on it right now. Um, don't get too excited. It has one subscriber, and I think it's the person who made it. Well, you can only <laughs> go up from there. Surely she won't back out of her own Reddit. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> She's like, I was into a few episodes. Now, not so much. So, I'm just going to give it a shout-out because I thought it was so nice that... Well, I assume it's a she. I actually have no idea. Um, the username is... I'm not insane. Thirteen could be either. So clearly, someone who's not that insane. Is a unisex handle, mm-hmm. and the subreddit is called "Let's Go to Number Two Court Podcast." Yeah, love it. That's that awesome. Nice. Yeah, that's super cool. What if she hates it and it's just a place for her to vent and she just hasn't gotten around to it? Oh, she doesn't. Eat, she hates us so much yes. that she can't even be bothered to vent about us. Who knows? Ooh, that'd be rough. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, no, okay. It says, I really like the podcast. This is a place where people can post their interests in the cases, maybe post updates to cases they've done in the past. Okay, well, so clearly a nice person. Clearly no one has been Well, maybe no one knows about it. Let's Yeah, say it again, Kristen. People are going to go there now. Let's go to the number two court podcast. Excellent. Subreddit. Yes. Yes. Head on over to that little Reddit thread that uh, one of our listeners was so nice to set up. And yeah, share your thoughts. We'll read them. We'll interact with you guys on there. I don't know how to do Reddit. Kristen will be in charge of that. No, I'm a lurker. I'm a lurker. I, I, I am on Reddit all the time. Oh Norman God, scared me. That what, sounded like a massive fart. I no, I, I think Norman's scooting around up there on his chair. Uh, no, I. You're a lurker. You're a Reddit lurker. I am a lurker. total lurker. But I mean, if we've got our own thing on yeah. there, then yeah. 
do it. Head okay. there. And while you're at it, head on over to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're all those places, too. And YouTube. And YouTube. YouTube. Don't forget about YouTube. We're huge YouTube stars. You guys. We got more than 100 subscribers on YouTube. We got a congratulations email <laughs> for reaching 100 subscribers. We've hit it big, you guys. That's right. Sky's the limit. <laughs> hey, and then while you're at it, uh, head on over to iTunes if you haven't already and leave us a rating, leave us a review. We haven't mentioned that in a couple episodes, and it shows. <laughs> so right it does <laughs> the minute we stop asking people are like i guess they're good <laughs> yeah um oh and i heard this on a podcast just oh. this week i can't remember what what it was but i was listening to a podcast yeah. and at the end the lady was like give me a five-star review i was like well damn she just asked for it give us yeah a, give go us there a and give us a five-star review, review. Yeah, please. No, I, d- I, don't, I don't like, like it. it. I don't like I it. I don't at like all. it. Give us whatever review you, you think feel we yeah. deserve. Yeah, there you go. It's probably five stars. <laughs> might, be, might be four stars. Who knows? Definitely not lower than four stars. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably give myself a four star. <laughs> I've had to do corrections several weeks in a row now. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, be sure to join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from the Murder by Kayak episode of 2020, as well as a bunch of articles from the New York Times. And I got my info from an amazing six-part series in the Tulsa world by Tim Stanley, as well as the Oklahoman, the Washington Post, People Magazine, and Gizmodo. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. 